podcast as well for the free one. You know, yeah. you know, for, for those of us who for the free one, yeah. <laughs> the ones with uh, the, un, the ones with the unpaid host. Uh, but you know, <laughs> one of the one of the beauties of uh, of being the unpaid host uh, is to bring on people who have been helping to set the national debate and have made this a very interesting year for candidate selection. We're talking, of course, about two actual sitting governors. Uh, all rise, please, for the sitting governors. We're going to bring onto the Ricochet Podcast Haley Barber. And Mitch Daniels. It's Peter Robinson, Haley Barber of Mississippi, and Mitch Daniels of Indiana. Old friends, governors both. Welcome to the Ricochet Podcast. You're on with James Lilacs and Rob Long. And here's what I want to know. What do the two of you want? You both have uh, some 18 months or so remaining in office. You both decided not to run for president. You both have big plans for your states. Can you give us each one sentence on what you want to do in your remaining time as governor. Uh, governor D- Daniels, what, what do you want to do in Indiana still? I want to solidify a performance culture that we think we've built in across state government, which uh, uh, people are uh, uh, pr- promoted and paid more based on uh, how good a job they and their department uh, do. Um, as a part of that, uh, there are a whole lot of changes we've made in uh, across the board in Indiana that we want to uh, make permanent if we can. And um, uh, we've been uh, we've been hard at work on that already, but uh, uh, 18 months is uh, is not too long, really, for uh, uh, for uh, trying to lock in things that uh, we've we've all seen a lot of positive change in government that didn't last, and we want to make sure ours do. Governor Barber, Peter, I actually go out of office this coming January, so I'm I've sorry. got about seven months, and uh, we've been very focused for the last few weeks since I decided not to run for president, on these issues that you're talking about. We've got to wrap up Katrina. Uh, there, there are a lot of things that have been begun uh, on, on the coast and in South Mississippi from Katrina that need to be finished. We need to make sure that all the money uh, gets spent for what it was intended for. Uh, similarly, we will open the Toyota plant in uh in North Mississippi in October and November. Uh, Mitch has got a big Toyota plant at Preston, Indiana, and knows that they grow from uh, relatively small, a couple thousand employees in a few years to 10,000 uh, or more employees when you include the suppliers. And so we're trying to make sure we get that right. Uh, and finally, we, uh, we've tried to be good stewards of the taxpayers' money and we want to make sure we leave my successor in a heck of a lot better fiscal shape than I got here. Uh, one of my one of my friends said uh, it's the first time where the rainy day fund for the state had less money in it than the governor's wallet, and uh, the governor's <laughs> wallet was pretty dang thin. I can tell you, and it's gotten thinner in the last eight years. But uh, but that's uh, we literally we had about uh, three million dollars in reserves, uh, and today we've got about $400 million in reserves, and we want to just make sure that that culture persists after I'm gone. Hey, could I Governor, ask, uh, Governor, can I ask a question? I mean, this is Rob Long in uh, Los Angeles. Since you, br- you kind of brought it up, Governor Barber, a little bit, what advice would either one of you, both of you, give right now to Nikki Haley, the governor of South Carolina, with her dispute with the uh, um, Labor Relations Board, with that Boeing plant, 
I mean, it, it, I mean, do you guys talk? I mean, I kind of imagine this sort of hotline. All the Republican governors get on the phone and talk. But what advice would you give her? I mean, she seems to be taking the fight, and that's a good thing. But is there any strategy you guys would pull? No, I think that uh, Nikki's doing exactly what she should do. She's standing her ground. The law's on her side, and she's trying to make sure that nobody thinks that they're going to get muscled. And as far as I can tell, Boeing is doing the same thing. There, there is no legal uh, basis for what the National Labor Relations Board is trying to do. And I, my advice is never pay the cannibals to eat you last. Don't <laughs> give them an inch. Right. Uh, Governor Daniels, do the same thing? Exactly. Uh, you know, the, uh, I think she should you – know, feel free to swing for the fences here. This is the most outrageous, and, and that's, a, that's a stiff competition in the last two or three years. This is the most outrageous uh, uh, illegal ex- extension of federal power we've seen yet. And uh, I think the whole, not just her whole state, but the whole nation can see, uh, you know, who is the bully and who is the victim here. And uh, I think she's a, an ideal spokesperson, by the way, to uh, very forthrightly call this for what it is, not just on behalf of her state, but on behalf of, of uh, American freedom. Well, gentlemen, how do, how do the Republicans capitalize on this? How do they point out that there's a reason the Toyota plant is going to Indiana and not setting up shop in California or New York? What do they have to do to get that message out so people understand? I personally think it's spreading. You know, Peter, I'll be uh, tomorrow. I've had this experience hundreds of times now. Uh, last week we were welcoming a company that came in from Illinois. Tomorrow I'll be welcoming a company that comes in from Michigan. I think there's never been uh, so much uh, awareness that that the uh, the quality of the environment for enterprise that a state builds is a, a matter of choice. It is subject to change for either better or for worse, and that there are direct consequences. I mean, it is. I'll, I'll give you an example. Uh, last uh, week, a big cartoon in the Chicago Tribune uh, showing the governor of Illinois looking despondently at a, a building where the, someone had hung a new sign where it said Chicago Board of Trade, it said Indianapolis Board of Trade. (laughs) (laughs) Wonderful. Governor's driver said, that's a bad sign. Well, (laughs) I just think that, you know, the word is out that federalism is a competitive system and that, uh, you know, states like Haley's that have have shaped up and and said to men and women of enterprise, uh, come here and uh, uh, you'll have a better chance to get your money back, uh, tend tend to see the benefits. Hey, I, Peter, Peter, once again, I have a question. This is going to be a question for Governor Daniels about Governor Barber in a, in a way. And then I'm going to ask Governor Barber about Governor Daniels. And here's what's up. I know the two of you were inundated with emails and phone calls and letters from folks who were working through the five stages of grief that you weren't running. And I got a, if I got a bunch of emails saying, how come neither one of those fellows is running? I know you did, too. I'm an old friend of both of you, so I feel for you especially. But here's the general problem. We've got governors, and in your case, we've got Haley Barber, who's going to be leaving office in seven months, who has a wealth of information, knowledge, fight, spirit. What do we do to prevent, Governor Daniels, what do we do to prevent the loss of the wisdom and energy and sheer fight of Haley Barber in seven months? What ought Haley Barber to do so that we don't lose the benefit of his skills? I wouldn't worry about the nation losing Haley's skills because there's going to be, you know, it's already on, on uh, underway. I know an incredible competition for his uh, 
participation. Uh, he'd have made a great candidate for president, but there are other ways, as he has demonstrated better than anybody in the past, that you can make a big difference in America um, and American politics. Um, and, uh, you know, I certainly hope and I fully expect that when some, uh, either either the party itself or maybe some specific candidate has made a good enough case to Governor Barber, uh, they'll sign him up and it'll be one of the best, best days they're their, 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 the, the campaign, or perhaps their campaign, ever has. So, I mean, I can't conceive of an important election as important as next year without Haley Barber playing a major part in it on our side, and I just don't know which role that is yet. It, Governor Barber, is that the plan? Well, it's, uh, I have in common with Mitch, and I still don't know what is the best thing for me to do to achieve my goal, and the goal is to elect a new Republican president to replace President Obama. Okay. Uh, there are several ways you could go at it, several ways, because uh, as I said earlier, I will be out of office, so I won't be governor, that I could get involved in that. My, in answer to your initial question, my own view is of all the people who were potential candidates for president, Mitch would have made the best president. Uh, I also think he was from a place uh, geographically that's a very good fit. Uh, for electing a Republican president, but you know, he and I both have been through the same thing. And if you don't have such fire in your belly that you're willing to commit yourself to 10 years, and it is a 10-year commitment, you have to look at it that way, mm-hmm. of uh, the most consuming job on the face of the earth, virtually to the exclusion of all else, that if, if you can't get all in, then you shouldn't be in at all. And so that doesn't mean that Mitch and I aren't going to have other ways to try to help. Uh, but for for candidates, we got a bunch of good candidates. Uh, a lot of them are not as well known as obviously they will be. And the more people see them, the more people are going to like them. None of them is perfect, uh, nor am I, or even Mitch. But uh, all of them make a heck of a lot better president than what we got now. Do you... What do you make of the field? Is it just kind of uh, uh, sloppy at this stage? Is there still time for a Rick Perry to come in? Is this is the Republican field toning up, so to speak, the way you might have hoped? Or do the new rules, later entry and so forth, has it, cast, has it created too much confusion, Governor Barber? Oh, I, Peter, the, the, the truth is it's very early. The news media would love for the presidential campaign to be in full throttle. It's not. Right. And the people don't want it to be. Uh, we have the most open nomination that I could ever remember for the Republican nomination for president. So necessarily and naturally, there's a great big field. And in a great big field, it takes a lot of time for people to to learn about several candidates. And I think it's developing about uh, about what you would expect. Uh, I do think there is time for other candidates to decide to run. And uh, I still think probably there's several weeks, and I don't mean two or three. I think there's several weeks uh, ahead that a strong candidate could could get in. You do. Um, Governor Daniels, do you agree with Haley Barber that the – well, you're still going to be – excuse me. I promised that I would ask Governor Barber what Mitch Daniels ought to do, and let me ask that question. When he steps down, Haley, what ought Mitch up to get – ought he to get up to? Well, uh, of course, before he steps down, he, he can play a major role in helping elect a new Republican president uh, because you know he can't chew bubble gum and walk at the same time. 
so he can be governor and he can play a major role in that and have a, uh, I hope, uh, a tremendous amount of influence on the policy agenda that our next Republican president sets because uh, he, he has proven by Indiana's performance that he not only gets macroeconomic policy, he understands how we need to manage things. And management of the federal government is a is something that is a, a real, real problem. It, it's it's more than just the right policies, and the ones we're adopting under this administration aren't the right policies. But we need to get the right policies, then we need to actually execute them. And he can play a major role in that. I suspect after. Uh, after he goes out in 2013, he's going to have to look at Sherry and the girls and say, you think I ought to make some money for a change? Uh, <laughs> Marsha th- thought that was kind of an interesting idea at my house. <laughs> How vulnerable it's true that, is- it's true go, that go Ailey ahead. and I did, did not pick exactly the optimal eight years or ten, nine or ten years of our lives, uh, of our uh, earning uh, lives to, uh, to go public, but uh, – uh, you know, I wouldn't trade it, and I know he wouldn't either. Well, okay, Governor Daniels. Now that you're 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 in public. Let's. Uh, um, I, I guess what I would like to uh, for Ricochet listeners and for you know people hearing this and and in general Republican voters, what advice would you give them? Okay, you know, you're right. We got this big field here. They got to sort through all these candidates. On the one hand, they're going to say. Which one of these guys is going to stay true to my specific, pure, conservative vision? On the other hand, they're going to say, well, which one of these guys is electable? And then on the third hand, if they got one, they're going to say, which one seems like he's going to be the most – he's going to sell us out the soonest, right, just to be blunt. What do you – what advice would you give them? They're going to sort through this choice. I mean you don't have to mention any names, but what, what kinds of things are going to lead you to your choice? I'd advise them, first of all, that uh, along the lines Haley just said, that uh, that uh, whoever emerges, whether it's your first, second, third, or fourth choice, uh, you need to be for them and wholeheartedly. America cannot wait and cannot endure another four years of uh, runaway statism and, and, and runaway debt that we're facing now. And so um, everybody uh, needs to be a patriot first, a Republican or a conservative, uh, pick your label second. And uh, and be prepared to to unite. I would I personally will be looking and would encourage others to look for the candidate who trusts Americans most. You know we have to. I think we have to be the voices that say uh, n- number one, uh, don't tell us that Americans are too darn dumb to uh, pick their own credit card, their own mortgage, uh, uh, their own health care, where their kids go to school, or what kind of light bulbs to buy. You know uh, we're free citizens and we trust Americans to make the decisions about their personal life, don't want to take those, take the power away from them uh, and hand it to people who are allegedly smarter. And then, as part of that, trust Americans to make grown-up decisions. You know, presented the, the facts about the, for instance, about the debt uh, uh, problems that we have and what it's going to do to our future, the American dream and young people. Presented the truth, which... Have, has been misrepresented to them about how, for instance, the safety net programs actually work um, and what reasonably modest things can be done to fix it. I, you know, we have to be the people who, uh, I hope we'll have a candidate who says, who doesn't flinch from those things and, and is willing to bet on the, on the good sense and the goodwill of our fellow citizens. Hmm. 
how big is the uh, light bulb issue? I mean, that's all James James Lilacs on this podcast. All he talks about is the light bulb issue. Con- I've written about constantly. Like, I got more. E- I got more uh, letters from a National Review piece I did about the light bulb issue. Anything <laughs> is that like a touchstone for people? Well, yeah, I think it. it so sometimes it's. I always tell our people here: never overlook the power of, of the small example. And sometimes right. it is the smallest, most immediate, or personal example that illuminates. Pardon the pun. A. Uh, uh, a, a much larger issue here. The larger issue is the is the uh, you know belief of our opponents that people are helpless objects of therapy, and that you know we all need them to to help uh, to, to tell us how to live. And uh, you know, it, I, I'm I'm not at all surprised to hear that it's that it's touched off that kind of reaction because it's something everybody can understand, uh, and uh, it. It may play a, a, a bigger role. We can all think of other examples where something that seemed relatively minor turned into the catalyst for a big change of, of attitude. So is this election then going to be about all economic and state issues and the social issues will be pushed off to the side until in times improve, Governor Barber? Well, the election will be about the issues that are on the people's minds. Clearly in 2010, the election was uh, overwhelmingly about jobs in the economy, taxes, spending, deficit, debt, health care, energy, uh, all, all from an economic uh, perspective, because that's what people were talking about at home at the dinner table every night. That's what was uh, on people's minds. And if the situation is similar to what it is today, uh, economics is going to overwhelm the political agenda for 2012. But elections should always be about, and campaigns should always be about, the issues that are on the voters' minds. You know, I'm a, I'm a guy who in, in 2004 was chosen by Americans United for Life, a big right-to-life organization, as their man of the year in Mississippi was named the safest state in America for an unborn child. But that wasn't an issue. Uh, in, in the 2007 re-election of my campaign, I had a pro-life Democrat opponent. And uh, the election is going to be about what is at issue. And I hope this election will be about public policy. If we can make it about Obama's policies and the effects those policies have had, then we'll elect a Republican president. And Obama will try everything to make this election about anything but his policies and the effects of his policies. I mean, he's going to go, it's going to be a negative campaign, don't you think, from his side? Well, sure it is. He can't run on his record. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome for that. <laughs> but I guess what I'd like to know from both these governors is, um, you know, give us a little advice. When you, when you read in Ricochet, when, even when you have a regular conversation with Republicans, the one thing, this, this, this bat we use on, uh, against each candidate is, well, that guy's not electable or that, that lady's not electable or so-and-so's not electable because of X or Y. How important is that right now for us to be thinking about? And how do you even know that? The Democrats dreamed of getting to run against Ronald Reagan in 1980. They thought that Ronald Reagan was unelectable, and he was the only thing that would save Jimmy Carter from his sorry performance. Uh, This idea of unelectability, if you can win the nomination in a political party that got nearly 60 million votes in the last presidential election, you're not unelectable. Governor Daniels, did you buy that? I do. The... uh, uh I remember when a lot of Republicans thought Bill Clinton was the dream candidate. 
uh, right. back in the days of draft dodging, pot smoking, and mm-hmm. women troubles and all that stuff. And uh, uh, that was a that was a classic miscalculation too. Uh, the, the the folks who survive these processes uh, are, are, I think, uh, almost certain to be uh, very very competitive. And I just want to say I'm very optimistic about next year. I, 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 in a way, I wish I weren't. I'm optimistic because this. The economy is in trouble. It, uh, it, we're at least as much risk of it being worse as better next year. Um, and the, the policies of the administration, of this administration, have patently failed. And um, and we are, and they have not only let us drift that much closer to a potential cataclysm, a, a collision with our own debts, but uh, they've made it much, much worse. So uh, I really do believe that whoever emerges from our uh, this, this open co- uh, competition that Haley correctly described um, has a very, very fine uh, opportunity uh, to win Good. by presenting a, uh, uh, a positive uh, outlook about how uh, much better things can be if we just make the right choice. Gentlemen, Peter Robinson here again. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you've got to run. I have a closing question for each of you. Two questions, actually, I'd like to give you both the chance to answer. We look at question number one, how important is it? We look back on the election of 1980, and we all know, we all feel in our bones that that was a turning point in American history. The difference between Ronald Reagan and Jimmy Carter was historic. And then the second question is, will, if we win, we already have the House of Representatives. It's very likely we'll gain a majority in the Senate just on the math. There are so many more Democratic senators than Republicans up. We'll likely have the Senate. If we win the White House as well, will Republicans be up to the moment? Governor Barber? Well, first of all, the importance is monumental. It's, as awful as the Clinton administration, I'm sorry, as awful as the Carter administration was, I never heard anybody ever say, I am worried that my children and grandchildren are not going to inherit the same country I inherited. The Obama policies are such that I hear that every day or every week. So the stakes are the highest, I believe, of my lifetime. Secondly, uh, if we win, and we win both houses of Congress, uh, our goal will be to get America back on a path that we all believe in and that actually even the Clinton administration generally adhere, adhered to of of lower taxes, limited government, less spending, rational regulation, uh, open markets and free trade, uh, and those kinds of policies. It, it's not like we have to create something. We know in America what has, uh, what has allowed uh, market capitalism to make this the greatest, richest, most powerful, and most emulated country in the history of the world. We just got to go back to doing it. Mitch, the most important election of our lifetimes? Um, hard, hard to quarrel with that. Um, and, you know, the, um, um, we have, 80, when you look back, we, we were very near a precipice of a very different kind, but I also think the nation had much more, uh, a much greater relative strength than it does today. So, yes, I think it, it probably is. Uh, you know, the, I said earlier that one of the problems we face now is that the those in power now don't have to do anything else. All they have to do is play defense, and mm. um, uh, spending rises to unsustainable levels, uh, debt rises to unsustainable levels, Obamacare becomes real and nationalizes another 18% of the economy fully. 
And uh, so that's a, it, it's a very tall order that won't wait. And uh, if that dream scenario you talked about should come true, then our party has got to be as the bravest uh, uh, political uh, uh, party that we've seen in a very, very long time. Um, and uh, in some respects, the assignment will be harder than that President Reagan faced. Let's face it, most people like the idea of tax cuts. Right. Um, there will be changes that need to happen uh, to face this generation's emergency that uh, will require, I think, even greater skill and greater clarity in uh, in being in explaining them to the American people. But uh, as I said before, you've you got to start with the faith that the American people are still uh, built for democracy and uh, and I and uh, if we don't let if we don't uh, lose our confidence there, uh, you know, I think we are the people to fix it. Gentlemen, we thank you very much for your contribution to the podcast and the national discourse. And we hope to have you back at the very least uh, after the presidential election, because no matter how that goes, the question is going to be, OK, now what? <laughs> right. yeah. uh, Mitch and Haley, <laughs> thank you so much. Thank you so much. We're really grateful.